If you and I ever have watch brands, we're going to have to have some experimentation on how difficult it is to get these ambassadors. These brands make such a big deal out of it. There's a press release and the whole thing. And in my mind, it's like, it's kind of like a transaction. It's sort of be like, hey, everyone, press release. I went to the store and I bought a car. Awesome, right? Welcome to Blog to Watch Weekly. On this week's show, we review the latest watch from Norcane. We have a look at the built-in tutorial on the latest perpetual calendar from H. Moser and C. We talk about Ariel's latest Sunday read entitled The Value Question. And finally, we look at the new range of field watches from Formex. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Rick. Hey, I'm Ariel. And this is a Blog to Watch Weekly where we talk about the latest news published on blogtowatch.com. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is something new. You are listening to this on the Spending Time channel, but you should also check out and search for the specific channel that this new show, A Blog to Watch Weekly, will be hosted on so that you can get all the content. So, Ariel, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited that in the podcasting space, now people have even more names to remember when they want to listen about watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the world needed was another podcast, clearly. Absolutely. I know that with all the, I think there's in the millions now, but everyone's just like, I don't have enough time to listen about watches. We need more of that. Exactly. I mean, which is rarer, a Rolex Explorer 2 in a shop window or a new watch podcast? Ooh, ooh, a tough one, a tough one. I've been seeing, you know, speaking of that, I've been seeing a lot of Rolex stores now, and I'm sure this is not new, but I've been noticing it, where there's a watch there that you think they have in stock, and then there's a little plaque that says, like, for display purposes only or something like that. I'm like, okay, this has reached a new low. And the thing is, when you see these display purposes only ones are also by themselves, it's not like they fill the window with hundreds of them. Yeah, there isn't like, here's the entire collection. It's, here's one watch that you want that we don't have. Everything else, we don't have any display. But this one, we were afforded one watch for display. Like, we're that poor. Yeah. <laughs> Even the display watches are limited edition. You would think it would be worthwhile each store at least having a display-only window that just has the full range. It would make sense. That's part of our larger mission. If everybody wants to satisfy their timepiece needs with Rolex, that's a problem because there's so many other watches out there. So sort of like part of my mission for 2021, now 2022, and maybe even 2023 is to say, it's so great, everyone, that you want to watch and all the great stuff that comes with it. So sorry you can't get that Rolex, but there are other options, right? Wouldn't you agree that this is part of our like our, our higher uh, level goals that we're trying to advocate all the time? Do we have a mission statement? Is this has created a mission statement? Do we have a slogan? We have so many mission statements, but look, it's it's an ongoing effort right is now. It, are because there hats? It's only a mission statement if there are hats. Red hats normally. Red hats? Okay, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you get right on that. <laughs> Okie dokie. Coming to the blog to watch store soon. Well, I think it's Not. funny. I actually saw a hat. What does it say? It said, make Rolex available again. <laughs> <laughs> How much trouble would you get into actually selling that? Um, well, assuming you didn't violate their, you know, their their trademark, which you will do by writing their name. Actually, <laughs> you could get around it by not using their their font and making it sort uh -huh. of a, a statement. So you say, no, we're not, this isn't copyright or trademark infringement or anything like that. We're just using this as satire. Your watches are unavailable and everyone knows that and we want to make a, a satirical comment about that. So you could you could get away with it. Yeah, because I think if the satirical use would allow you to use the real logo, I think. 
I mean, it'd be hard. It'd be hard. I'm all for you fighting that case in court. So we'll do it in America if it's all the same. I have a little bit not, of experience with Rolex's trademark attorneys, and I, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily want to 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 fly that stunt anytime soon. Okay, well, <laughs> let's get on with what this show is actually about. So we are going to focus on what's been happening in the watch world in the last week through the lens of the A Blog to Watch website. And first up, oh, we've got we've got the wheel to spin. I think first up we will deal with the new Norcane. And just before we speak about it, I actually did a quick who, what, why, where, when of the new Norcane with Ben, the CEO of Norcane. So let's play that first, and then myself and Ariel will follow up with some chat. Hi, Ben. Thank you for joining us from Norcane. Where are you today? I'm in Switzerland, cold Switzerland, here in Nidau. Excellent. At the head office. You've been celebrating the Swiss successes in the Winter Olympics? Yeah, yeah. We've, we're really happy how things are going. Uh, we have also two athletes uh, that are sponsored from Norcane with uh, bronze medals. Very so good. So we're, we're very happy. Yeah. So rather than the gold and steel watch we're talking about today, we can expect a bronze and steel watch coming from you any day now. <laughs> yeah, so we already have bronze watches. We were hoping for the gold medals <laughs> to make gold watches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure your sponsorship deal will reach to have being allowed to melt down your athletes' medals, but there you go. Anyway, thank you for joining us. You are our first guest on A Blog to Watch Weekly. We're going to be talking more about your new watch, but that's just going to be for me and Ariel. But what you're going to do is answer our first who, what, why, where, when. So crack on with the who, what, why, where, when kind of already introduced, but tell us exactly who you are and exactly who you work for. Hi, my name is Ben. I'm the founder and CEO of Norcane, a Swiss family-owned independent brand here in Switzerland, and I'm very excited to be on the show. What is it you are releasing right now, and what is the market it's serving? Well, we're releasing the Neverest uh, GMT Steel and Gold. We launched the product last year uh, in October, the first uh, Neverest GMTs. It's an exciting product uh, line because we equipped the Neverest line with our Kennedy manufacturer calibers, and in this precise uh, we have the Neverest uh, GMT comes with the Kennedy manufacturer caliber NN20-2 which comes with a jumping hour GMT feature which of course our fans will will appreciate why are you releasing this particular item right now why is this the focus for the brand uh, it just felt right we had so much you know great feedback and we did have a lot of requests for steel and gold lately so after the success of the Neverest GMT especially in the United States the Neverest GMT has quickly become one of our best sellers so it felt right to launch a steel and gold version a limited edition and uh, yeah something a bit special and I think black ceramic steel and gold uh, you can't go wrong it's a it's a great mix where can we find it and how much is it? You can find it at our official retailers across the world and in the US. It retails at uh, 5290 US dollars on the steel bracelet. It's a very exclusive uh, timepiece for us. It, it's something very special and uh, we only produced 100 pieces. For those who support us, we will support back. Uh, we're giving 10% of our earnings to the Butterfly Help Project in Nepal, sending kids to school, a project that has become very close to our heart. It's really a great cause and we'll be going down there in May show you a bit what has been done so far. When is it released? Is it available right now? It's available right now. We launched it on Saturday, February 12th. It was the first time for us to launch a watch during a weekend, but we wanted to see and interact directly 
with everybody who obviously has more time during the weekend. And it was great. We really enjoyed the launch. And I would like to thank everybody again for the great feedback and positive energy. I'm really happy that we started the year again with your guys' positive feedback. Well, thank you, Ben, for doing Who, What, Why, Where, When. Uh, nice to speak to you. Have a great day. Thank you very much, Rick. Have a great day, you too. Thank you. Okay, Ariel, so what did you think of that? Bear in mind I'm asking you and you've not actually heard the interview because I recorded it and you've not heard So you're speaking into the void. Well, Ben Cooper, who is responsible for running Norcane, which is a relatively new brand, him and his team have done really a great job with a brand that I think deserves a lot of attention. That's why we give it a lot of attention on Blog2Watch. We have a, a giveaway that we just finished with them that we're going to do soon. And that's great that smaller brands are getting into the experiential ex- experiences where you know they're taking their watches and people out into the world and taking pictures and doing fun stuff. This is a brand that is very much in line with a lot of the traditional Swiss watch brands, but it's new. It's got a funky name. Each letter represents a different word of value. So they've got that. But the designs and the quality is really good. This new watch was the first two-tone model. So it's the GMT, which is uh, steel and gold. And this is part of the Neverest collection, which is cute, like a combination of Everest and Never Rest. So it's, 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 a fu- it's a fun little thing there. It's classic. You know, I think people are very weird about the fact that, th- that a brand like this comes out of the woodwork and is brand new. It didn't sort of evolve over time. But I like to remind everyone, every watch brand had to start at some point. You know, you can't be mean to brands that's, whose history started yesterday versus, you know, 50 years ago. Like, everyone had to start first. So I'm very open-minded to, to new brands. The Neverest collection, it's really designed to be familiar looking. If you're going and you're looking at high-end watches and you see the Neverest, it's supposed to sort of seamlessly blend into what you're looking at. And I think they do a really good job with that. So as someone who likes like crazy artistic watches sometimes, it'd be a little bit more conservative. But the Norcane watches I have are great. They have a classic style. There's, they're distinctive looking, meaning they don't look exactly like everything else. And I think the prices are fair. So this one has, you know, their, their Kinesi uh, movement, which is shared by some other high-end brands. Chanel uses them, for example. So I, I feel that this is a brand that once you learn about what they do and you find something that, that works for you, it's on par with a lot of other high-end Swiss watch brands that are older. Yeah, I think I probably shared a bit of some general public skepticism when Norcane first appeared on the scene at the kind of price point they did. But I'll confess I am a bit of a convert. I really like this. And yes, it is over $5,000. They're certainly batting against some significantly more established brands at that price point. But fundamentally, this is a really nice watch. Well, it takes some bravery, right? Because a lot yes. of the little guys who come out are very afraid at breaching the two or $3,000 price point. Most of Norcane's watches are in that range, and they offer good quality. This one has some gold, so it's more expensive. But it takes, like I said, bravery to compete head-to-head with the Omegas, with the Tag Heuers. Very few companies have tried to do that like Norcane. And and I think that yeah. it's very admirable because, again, most of the smaller brands would be very afraid at going like head-to-head with an Omega. Yeah, and they've opened their own boutique in Zerma. And I should just also add that from the little interview that they now have a gold medal winner in Michelle Giesen. Is it Gissen or Giesen? Uh, she'd won a bronze. Oh, the ambassador? Yeah, so their ambassador now has a gold medal. If you and I ever have watch brands, we're going to have to have some experimentation on how difficult it is to get these ambassadors. Because these brands <laughs> make such a big deal out of it. There's a press release and the whole thing. And in my mind, it's like, it's kind of like a transaction. It's sort of be like, hey, everyone, press release. 
I went to the store and I bought a car. Awesome, right? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, is there? There's some convincing for sure, but I don't know that for me, it's a brand accolade to have gotten ambassador. It just means, hey, we paid for it, and they think our our watches are nice enough. So I, I guess there's some. You know, there is there's some merit to it being a, an achievement. But I, I, am I am I wrong here that it's more like wanting people to get excited about their new purchase more than anything else? Yeah, well, I often feel that some of the ambassador stuff that you see is more about the brand CEOs wanting to spend time with their sports, music, film icons, and very little to do with actually how... I mean, fundamentally, George Kern wants to spend some time with Brad Pitt or whoever it is. He's not actually that bothered as to whether people buy the watches because of him, and whoever's Tudor wants... Obviously, he's a big Lady Gaga fan or whoever it is this, these days. <laughs> That's the weirdest one. The Tudor Lady Gaga one. I still wonder about. He's Jean-Claude Beaver, big Manchester United fan. Who did Ublo start sponsoring? Manchester United. I arrest my case. Yeah, no, he, you're right. And and Beaver was great at basically saying, you know, the first focus group, uh, you know, participant is myself. If I like yes. it, if I think it's a big deal. I remember I had a conversation years ago about Aston Martin and Porsche. And this is when uh-huh. he was running Tag Heuer. And Tag uh-huh. Heuer now has the Porsche relationship, but they had the Aston Martin one for a while. And he admitted, he's like, I'm a Porsche guy. I'm way more excited about that. <laughs> Aston Martin was always second to me. And we actually had to edit that phrase out. Tag Heuer was like, um, could you edit that phrase out of an interview? And we're like, okay. <laughs> like he was very open about that. Well, they got, they got what they wanted in the end. <laughs> so that's the Nurkane. Uh, you can read about that on a blog to watch. Uh, it was an article written by Sean. There's quite a few people in the comment section as well. February 12th, Nurkane unveils Adventure Neverest GMT 41mm Steel and Gold Limited Edition watch. I said that in one breath. There you go. So I like it. Ariel likes it. Go check it out. See if you like it. Okay, so this is an article written on February 15th. This was us unveiling a watch by H. Moser and C., which was known as the Limited Edition Endeavor Perpetual Calendar Tutorial Watch. Um, this was written by Sean, uh, a lovely blue-dialed limited edition version of the H. Moser & C. Perpetual with a dial that literally looks as though it has an instruction manual on it, or it's sort of out of an instruction manual. And this is very much in line with the type of funny stuff that H. Moser & C. has done over the years. And so we like to see these left-field things. It's very much a watch nerd's watch. Like the only people that will truly get a chuckle out of this are people that are (laughs) in watchmaking. Everyone else is like, this is super weird. You have to be very insider baseball. The way that H. Moser and C put it to me is sort of like this. If you don't get it, that's fine. We're making very few of them anyways. There's some people out there that gets it. So most of the people that look at this are like, what is going on here? If anything, this tutorial version of the dial simply is a good advertisement for the normal watch. And the perpetual calendar that H. Moser and C. makes is fantastic. When it first came out, and I hate to bring it up, it didn't work very well, but then they made it work very well. So now you have basically the most elegant perpetual dial on the market because the perpetual calendar markers are just minimized. You have a very diminutive month indicator on the dial, the date, power reserve in the seconds. That's all you have. And then the back of the watch has the leap year indicator, which is where it should be because you don't need to see that information all the time. They did a lot of things to the movement to make it far more robust. So if anything, it's over-engineered at this point. And this one is $65,000, 20 pieces. This is not by any means, the the floor level. I think it costs way less 
just to get into their perpetual calendar model, which I think is great. It's the the HMC 800 manually wound movement, uh, 168 hour power reserve. And again, with that power reserve indicator on the dial, I'm cool with it. I'm usually an automatic watch guy. So again, am I into the tutorial dial? No. Is it great clickbait? Like, will I read the article about it and chuckle about it? Yes. Is that a good marketing move from H. Moser and C? Yes, it is. It's already had the meme treatment from several online Instagram accounts and responses from those also involved in the meme. So yeah, you can have a hunt around the internet for this. Do you think there's some poor watchmaker who tries to keep his door shut when Edward Mill comes along knowing that he's coming along to suggest the latest humorous idea that he's come up with while he's been sitting watching old reruns of Monty Python's Flying Circus. I think there's some old guy there who's like, oh, not again. Can you just <laughs> let me make a watch, please? Can you, is it Second Second, well, one of the collabs he did recently? And this this has that kind of feel to it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's very playful. Edward and, and, and Bertrand, his brother, they kind of remind me of like college pranksters. Like I can see them being <laughs> on some very elite campus being like, the Prankster Brothers. Uh-huh. And, and that's sort of what this is. It's like a luxury prank, okay? Yeah. It's not mean in any way, shape, or form. It's no. mostly funny, but it's really a prank. It's like, oh, no, they didn't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, yeah, we can make a weird watch style that has arbitrary instruction markers on there um, just because it'll draw attention. Oh, no, they didn't. They did. Like, that's sort of what this is. So there's there's a tameness, you know, it's a very sort of non-controversial humor to it, which I guess is a Swiss thing, right? Like it's funny, but being like, utter, like no one's offended in the process. Yeah. I like that, but they've gone further. You know, I remember that they did the, you remember that weird, I guess it was the Frankenstein watch. Do you remember that one? <laughs> you, mean, you mean the one that I'm still convinced he has not destroyed and it's sitting, he wears it around the house at the weekend. Right, right. That one. So yeah, yeah. they made a watch where, I don't know how else to explain it. It was basically a Frankenstein of a bunch of popular designs. It was kind of clever in a weird way. And yeah. they physically produced one and they brought it to SIHH and they were literally asked by the show organizers, you, you <laughs> remove this because too many people here are complaining because there's some of the brands that you're sort of joking about that are here. And begrudgingly they did so, but they've, you know, they've pushed the envelope, but that you can see that's a prank. It's like, yeah. It's not, you haven't done anything illegal, questionable taste, but worst case scenario, you know, the headmaster, the principal, the dean <laughs> says like, oh, guys, nice try, but don't do that. You know, so it's <laughs> it, it's kind of this like innocent playfulness that I, I think is fun. The world needs more of it. The watch industry definitely needs more of it. Oh, and for yes. people that don't get the joke, just just chill out. Just buy the one that's not got the handwriting. Yeah, exactly. Like this isn't this isn't all of them. This is just the weird twenty piece one. Yeah. Do we think they'll produce twenty? It says twenty. Yeah. I mean, look, look. It's a conversation piece. You have to remember that if you wear this in a group of a bunch of other watch, you know, collectors, mm-hmm. guaranteed someone's going to be like, "What is that?" And that's the value of a watch like this. It's an attention grabber. People want to know what it is. And when you get their attention for that, you can strike up a conversation with them. For a lot of guys that use this as part of their their friendship mechanism, that's a very important tool. Well, you can check out on the website the full review of the new Mozart. Now, interestingly, what Ariel was speaking about there about the Mozart and the kind of fashion leads us on to a long-form article that Ariel did 
on Sunday past, I think it was. And this was entitled The Value Question, How to Determine if a Wristwatch is Worth the Price. Now, I'm not going to let you just go over this verbatim because it's a very long article. You do need to go and read it. It's really good. I'm going to pick a particular point to focus on, which got me thinking, it was like, oh, that's a really interesting way of putting it. And this was near the bottom when it was talking about the fashion and the luxury side. This is a phrase to paraphrase. It was the efficiency of popular luxury goods, which is actually that what Rolex is really good at is it's really efficient telling everybody that it's luxury. So if you wear it, it's an efficient way of telling people where you're at. And it got me thinking about the idea that is that the kind of evolution of brands? They're trying to become more and more efficient at enabling their wearer to identify themselves as someone who is in the zone, who is flexing. So why don't you give us a summary of what you think of that and about the rest of the article? What inspired you to write it? Uh, Thank you, Richard. This is you know, an article that I write from time to time, uh, somebody called these one of Ariel's Sunday sermons, which... <laughs> the gospel according to Ariel. <laughs> which is kind of funny, because like, I could see myself doing that. I'm not a religious person, but if, if people wanted me to stand up every Sunday and, and <laughs> le- at, at a lectern and, and do a sermon about watch collecting or anything, I, I, I probably could do that pretty well. I think I've just come up with an idea for another podcast. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I don't know that I'm pretty good at, at, at answering all the big questions, not yet for a public audience, but I can answer some of the deeper psycho- psychological questions about why we're interested in watches and how we make purchase decisions. I specialize in this, and, and I, I do a lot of research about consumer behavior. I have a background in communication and consumer uh, behavior. So I'd love to know why is it and how is it that we sort of find ourselves obsessed with these irrational goods. You know, the rationality of luxury is something that people often question, and I actually think it's very, very rational if you understand what people are trying to accomplish through this. And so this is part of the bigger context of being in an internet marketplace space where watch pricing means nothing anymore. Okay, you have Mm. a lot of people out there publishing vastly exorbitant over retail prices on whatever they want. It started with Rolex going for higher than retail and it sort of spiraled out of control into everything else. And so now we're in a position Or if you're just a lay consumer and you just want to feed your watch habit, some watches at retail price are very difficult or impossible to get. Retail price is something that you sort of know isn't always directly attributed to value. You have auction houses that have only high prices on things. But remember, the more money they sell a watch for, the more fees they get. So they have every incentive to make things as expensive as possible. You have this whole universe of gray market dealers and pre-owned dealers and things like that that are pricing all over the place from under retail to over retail and everywhere in between. So there's this ocean of risk and and very strange pricing practices that are more about what dealers think they can get away with versus what an actual market price is at. And there's all these people out there telling you what market prices should be, which means nothing. So I think that's a really important context to understand that unless you're very experienced and specialized, this is a dangerous place to be a consumer because a lot of people are trying to get you to pay more than you need. Now, why is that dangerous? Even though watches are mostly purchased by rich people who have more disposable income, it is a hobby that has to give people enjoyment. And what I find is that the more someone spends on a watch more than they need to, the less enjoyment they get out of the hobby overall and the less watches they buy. So I want people to feel comfortable being watch buyers 
uh, on an ongoing basis. They have a hobby that they keep buying new watches and they feel comfortable doing it. And I see a lot of barriers to people making purchases, like not trusting a price. So that's all a very long way of saying why I tried to write a guide to send people down sort of a mental process of how to determine if the price asked for a watch is right for them. And then they see the price of a watch and then they can go through this list and they can say, you know what, does that price check out? Or you know what, that doesn't sound like a price that I'm willing to pay. Is that a good way of introducing sort of why I wrote this, you think? Yeah, and I think it's, I think it really is the question that watches have different values to different people. There's the price, the price is what the person's selling it for, but the value, a lot of the value is placed on it by the individual. You know, so you might prefer something or you might have a story linked to this thing that you're looking to buy or you might want to flex in a particular way. So, yeah, I think the article really explores some of the psychology, as you say, as to what leads a person to value one thing more than another. And then you relate that to the price that the person is actually charging. And if you value it more than the price, then it's a bargain to you. But if you value it less than the price, you're not going to buy it. So let's talk about a real world example of this. If you go on the internet now and you search for the Rolex um, Oyster Perpetual 41, which is a watch that costs just under $6,000, you'll see it retailing for, you know, anywhere from $10,000 to twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. Maybe even more. Maybe the the Tiffany, the turquoise colored one is especially expensive. So you have all these people out there that apparently feel it's totally okay to say that a watch that has a retail price of around $6,000 is really this. And at the exact same time, people who might take that seriously see a high complication watch from a brand they may not know or from a style that they don't understand. And they're like, oh, why does this cost $20,000? Uh, this is grossly overpriced. Who would ever spend <laughs> this amount? This is, this, is a, this is an offense to me. I can't, I can't believe that this publication would even suggest such a purchase. And there's like all this anger that mostly stems from a place of ignorance, you know, sadly, where someone just doesn't really recognize how much it costs to make something or what's really a part of it or where the inherent value is. And the exact same person could be totally okay with something which is over retail price and then something uh, which is at a fairer retail price doesn't pass muster for them. And I think it's very interesting. Most, most consumers don't analyze their own behavior and ask themselves why they're feeling the way they do about value. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's a long form article. It's worth delving into and having a think about how you relate to the various points that, that Ariel raises. So go and check that out. A lot of comments there, a lot of comments there. So it, it's, it's a good one. A very well commented article. So lots to dig into rather than just the, the pure text that Ariel spent all Sunday getting his biblical references for for his sermon. So uh, there's plenty, there's plenty there in the comment sections to dig into as well. I do take part in the comment section on the website. There is a lot of good chat there as well as the articles themselves. Finally, for this week, we're going to have a look actually at one of the sponsored posts, which I was particularly interested in. And this is a new range from Formex. And actually, in light of the previous value conversation, this strikes me as being a watch from a well-established company or, you know, a well-known brand uh, that is known to produce quality watches that really is taking quite a value proposition 
in, in what it's producing in this new range of titanium field automatic watches. Have you seen any of these in the flesh? No, I haven't. And, you know, I have to say, this is why I'm actually really proud of how we do some of the advertising in a blog to watch. So we debuted this Formex field watch. It's the, the Formex titanium field automatic watch. We debuted it as an advertisement. I get excited about this. Like you, I see this and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. We've tried to design our advertising in a way that it, it very much um, supplements our editorial because we don't yeah. always have an opportunity to see watches in advance and brands oftentimes will jump the gun and say, you know what, we're just going to sort of tell everyone about it from our words. So we're going to do a sponsored post, which is from their voice. And then in a couple weeks or months from now, I will do a hands-on review of the watch. And and I'm just as excited uh, about it as, as, as you are and the rest of the audience to see this thing. So this is Formex's modern take on the classic field watch. Field watches are actually from military watches that were for infant infantry. And this is supposed to be the most basic type of watch that you could be issued in the military. You're just an infantry soldier. You're not an officer. You're not a specialist like a pilot that would need something extra or a diver. You just need a watch that puts up with the field and tells you the time accurately. And so field watches have this great history of being very cool looking. They're functional. They're about activity and war, but they're also not pretentious, right? Because your average soldier would have them. And a lot of soldiers took their field watches from war and, and brought them to civilian life. And so field, the style of field watches became very important in the late 20th century because of all the people that were veterans that were wearing them. And so field watches today are said to be sort of a very good entrance into mechanical watches or a very you know easy on the eyes, a beater watch, if you will. They're never supposed to be luxurious. They're supposed to be like basically the epitome of an of an affordable tool watch, if you will. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, yeah. And this does this in spades, and there's also 41 mil, so it's a proper size. This is taking the game to probably the most popular field watch amongst us watch geeks would be the, I would have a guess at the Hamilton khaki. Something like that. This is, this is really taking it to Hamilton. But yeah, it's a... It's just a good-looking watch with lots of colours. I notice there's no Tiffany blue option, but that'll probably there's come There's a along. purple one. There's no Tiffany blue. So, <laughs> look, what I think Formix did great here is they had the character of a field watch without the design looking like any actual field watch from the past. And at the same time, they made it more fashion-forward than function-forward. It is a functional watch, but look, if you want, like, a modern field watch and you really want, like, the most military-grade you're going to get a marathon, right? Like, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Those don't cost too much more than this one. So, yes, Formex beats it on price a little bit. But Formex is trying to go for, like I said, the alternative one, the the edgy field watch. Not necessarily the one that soldiers are wearing today, but the one that they could and it has a little bit more of like a watch collector sort of stamp on it in terms of the, the the trendy colors, the interesting dial, the strap options, the sort of fashion forwardness. And, and, and again, I think that Formex is interested in, in this appealing to both male and female um, wares, um, I think is very obvious. And, and I like that they made a fashion forward tool watch. $795. That's a good, it's a good looking watch. I quite like the purple. I mean, you, it is actually the kind of watch that you would have more than one of if you were that way inclined to have one that went with things, you know, yeah, to yeah. again raise the previous article of are you wearing the watch or is the watch wearing you? You know, there's a colour for every occasion. So I would definitely check I am these a out. big supporter of people having a large variety of watch colours for, like you said, different occasions. So often 
somebody will like pull out their watch collection. It's like, look at all my black dialed watches. It's like, okay, I get it. You you know how to wear a black dial watch. You watch it well. That's great. But aren't you missing out by not having any, I don't know, white dials, red dials, orange dials, yellow dials, blue dials, purple dials? Like, you know, like mix it up a little bit because it's fun. Would be interesting to see this on, a, it's a titanium watch. It would be interesting to see this on a titanium bracelet. I think just to step this up into the next level, this on a solid titanium bracelet, this would be extra nice but not really like it formex are doing good things and this is effectively their entry level formex before you get to the reef what's the other one called there's the reef and the essence essence i knew it began with an e so this is their entry level formex go and check it out so that's us for this week we hope you've enjoyed a whistle stop tour through the last week on a blog to watch Ariel, what thoughts would you like to leave everybody with? I thought this was fun. When's your new Sunday podcast coming out? <laughs> that more sermons are, are on their way. Um, look, okay. I'm always evaluating behavior, and I want to talk about those topics that are relevant to the community. It's tough to evaluate pricing right now, and as someone that knows a little bit more than the, the, the lay consumer, I'm going to give some tools to help, and that's, that's what I try to do through these sermons, is try to make people happier collectors by being better collectors. I want to comment um, on this particular format. We're going to be doing more podcast-style news shows. The idea is to talk a little bit about some of our editorial feelings behind some of the new releases. This is meant to be a supplement to going to blog to watch every day, some people do, or a few times a week to sort of read the news. This is additional thoughts and stories and stuff like that. So I'm excited about it. We have plenty to talk about, as you can see, even just for talking about a couple of articles that were on the website. So the best way to sort of go along with this podcast is to go to the website immediately before or immediately after and catch up on the articles that we're talking about. Indeed. So do subscribe. Do, if you're listening to the Spending Time channel, hunt out the Blog to Watch weekly channel as well. Eventually it'll all move across there. Like, subscribe, do all those kind of things. Leave us a comment. You could be the first person to review this new show. So go ahead and do that. Ariel, what have you got coming up in the next week? Actually, some interesting watches coming in for review. Some smart watches that I've been looking at from brands uh, as diverse as Louis Vuitton and Garmin, but looking at their latest stuff. Going to start traveling uh, pretty soon heavily to start seeing some new watches. We're going to, it's going to be like the the avalanche of timepieces at Watches (laughs) and Wonders. It's, you know, it's been three years essentially since we've been to any of these shows. So I've told the Blog to Watch team to start training, like physically training. You know, this is going to be more than a week of, you know, day to night meetings, carrying around a lot of gear, a lot of walking and, and, and stuff like that. So um, that's definitely going to be part of our regimen. I fully anticipate some of our colleagues to um, have passed out on the side of the uh, of the event. I, I know that sounds dramatic, but weirder things have happened. And with a three year delay, some people used to do this every couple of months and then they took a few years off. I think that uh, we're going to see some uh, never rest watches uh, <laughs> in, 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 a, in a real climbing situation uh, in Geneva, the Pell Expo. Good stuff. And do you have a superlative show due out on Monday? Yes. And I actually don't even know which episode it's going to be. We record these a little bit in advance, but I am continuing to do the weekly superlative shows. These are guests from the within the industry, watchmakers, designers, CEOs, people that sell watches, once in a while people that collect watches, but really, you know, uh, the personalities that drive this industry. So those are fun. And, and I'd love to see um, how we can get more feedback and comments and things like that. We love all the positive things everyone has to say, but giving a 
show ideas and topics and stuff like that and, and wanting to know what it's on everyone's mind is important so I can have more great conversations in Sunday sermons. Yep, so we're all about the feedback, so please do leave the feedback. So you can find Ariel on his own superlative show every Monday. Have a look at the back catalogue there. There's some great sh- interviews. Uh, you can also find out what's your Instagram address, Ariel. My personal Instagram is Ariel to watch, and then of course we have the a blog to watch Instagram account as well. And you can find me at, at Rick TikTok or on the other podcasts called The Wind Up Merchant. So check out all of that content and join us again next week for, I don't know, I think it technically will be episode two. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.